We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento Kings. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me, Mr. Sean Cunningham from Fox 40 and Mr. Brennan Nunez from the Kings Herald and the Kings Pulse podcast. What's going on, gentlemen? I'm doing good. Another day in the life, really. By yourself, Sean? I am surprised I'm alive after a bottle <laughs> rock. Um,. I was hoping we could turn this whole podcast into Sean's Bottle Rock <laughs> review, and uh, no, but it was fantastic. Uh, I, I got a little bit. You know, if anyone follows me on social media, they know I get in there. I also had a brand new phone, which James is very happy about. I'm not going to drop this in a in a lake, nope. um, although I do hear it submerges very well. <laughs> it can take brilliant photography and video from depths <laughs> below below the surface. I wouldn't try it, Sean. <laughs> Because yeah. as soon as mine went in the water, I tried to call it to see if it would light up so I could find it underwater. Nah. No. Myth nah. busted. But, uh, yeah, had an amazing time. I needed a day before uh, Bottle Rock to kind of get prepared. And that caused me to miss the uh, Warriors clinching the Western Conference Finals in person. I decided not to go down there. And uh, then a day afterwards for Memorial Day to just decompress. And here I am in... I, I assaulted my liver over the past few days and spent l- the latter part of yesterday trying to uh, recover it. But no, I'm feeling good. I even got some color on these pale stems, and so uh, I'm ready to go. Favorite two or three performances? Oh, I would do your – thank you for asking, Brendan. That's fantastic <laughs> of you. Um, I will say um, I, I took for granted the – oh, it's Bottle Rock. It's Bougie Coachella, as Bruno Mars likes to say. And it's just Metallica, but, you know, these guys, are their people are too old to just absolutely go absolutely insane and in, in create mosh pits. I was wrong. I got beat up. Um, had a blast, though, in doing so. I almost tapped out at one point. 
but the best performances, I would say, would go to the Saturday and Sunday headliners, which would have been 21 Pilots, who are absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I know uh, James has seen them before. And my second, this is, no, I'm sorry, it's my third time seeing Pink, and she is quite a performer. Uh, first time as a headliner. Usually she opens for Justin Timberlake like 10, 15 years ago when I saw her, but this was uh, this was great, man. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Interesting. Uh, no injuries? Because I have a friend who, no. um, him and his peeps go to uh, Flogging Molly all the time, and someone always comes back with a broken foot. And I just Flogged. think to myself, like, why? Uh, yeah, but I guess it's fun. I guess it's going the mosh pit or having a good time and slamming into people. You were, in a, you were in a mosh pit, Sean? I was. Yeah, I was there. I was also protecting some people because uh, they were a little bit small. And uh, Was this Paris Hilton? No, no, but, but similar thinking. They didn't Sean have to be uh, up. They didn't have to be a you know this this billionaire heiress uh, and you know I, I was just trying to be a good person so yeah it was uh, had to like f- Paris Hilton <laughs> yes well I think the to be honest excuse me uh, to be honest the thing that actually probably caused me the most injury if you will wasn't even the mosh pit I thought it would have been Sunday Pink probably the l- second to last song bef- uh, her last song she goes up and does does the trapeze stuff which is. I was. I even told my my buddy Jose. I was like, "How are, how is she going to do this? Like, we didn't know that she was." He's like, "You can't. You're out of your mind. She's not going to be able to do it over like all these people." And I said, "Yeah, that's probably a good point." She did. Like, she went over forty thousand people, however many people were out there, and was all over. The, like, it was incredible. And she was very high up there and uh, doing flips and acrobatics and still singing and not lip syncing. By the way, she's literally talking to people. Um, but that, yeah, that was cool. But the part I got hit with was all of a sudden they threw out these incredibly some are bigger than others these rubber bladder balls uh that are almost like the the physio balls that people would work out with in the gym that francisco garcia hurt his uh broke his arm on when it popped and uh all of a sudden they just start launching them and i got absolutely sniped headshot thousand (laughs) points whatever on call of duty uh (laughs) i got absolutely just annihilated by this bladder ball into the face oh bro Bro, it was. Did you go down? <laughs> I almost. I would have gone down if we weren't so packed in there like sardines. <laughs> yeah. Somebody had me. They. They're like, oh my god! It's like, oh, headshot. I'm concussed, <laughs> and it was brutal. But the, the, yeah, yeah, I once I came to my senses and realized I'm at a pink concert and I just got annihilated. Uh, it was fine, bro. It was really fun. That's awesome. A years yeah. ago, years ago, I saw Aerosmith. Uh, I think Collective Soul opened for them at Cal Expo. And it was packed. It was like that. It was like wall-to-wall people. We we got all the way to the front. We were like six feet away. It was pretty crazy. But <laughs> um, but on the way up there, the crowd shifted, and this girl lost her footing. And I actually caught her on the way down and, like, was able to pull her back up before she got trampled. It was about to be bad. Cause people was it Paris Hilton's mom? It was, not, it was not Paris Hilton's <laughs> mom. I'm not that old, Sean. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that how this works? Uh, he gets the mom. Does she have a daughter? Uh, oh, God. That's uh, funny. That's Sorry, hilarious. man. I made myself laugh. That's hilarious. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's get into this. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. Um, Sacramento Kings <laughs> uh, went through like a, a three-day pro-day bench 
Um, they saw just about everyone, although I still haven't heard of them um, like getting an interview with uh, with Jabari or Chet or Paolo Bancaro. Uh, but I guess that's what happens when you're at number three. I and mean, when you're at number four, uh, the top three don't want to come and say hi. Right. Uh, but um, but the Kings did take in. Uh, we've got AJ Griffin. We've got uh, Benedict Matherin. Um, we've got Jaden Ivey. Uh, any any first thoughts on um, on the pro day circuit? And I'll throw this one out. I'll start with this. We have Vivek at Jaden Ivey's workout, and I haven't confirmed it. First of all, Vivek was the only owner at any of the pro day workouts, like in the last two weeks. Um, but also that he only went to the Jaden Ivey workout. Should we be reading anything into that? I, I sure, sure. I don't. I don't. Uh, maybe he was just. I don't know. Maybe he was incognito that day he was also dressed as if it was you know 30 degrees outside in southern california in the gym <laughs> he was wearing so, a hat i don't know that i mean I've he had like it looked like times. two jackets i mean it was i don't know maybe he was i don't know maybe he wouldn't get spotted but yeah I w- if you want to i think i think there's nothing wrong with that i don't mean i don't think it means that they're taking him but i think if if clearly if the owner attended that workout and didn't attend any others then yeah that's a that's a pretty big indicative sign of at least his thought process and you know how how uh um involved he is so i i, I would take i would take something away from that sure brennan i refuse to believe anything when it comes to the draft this time of year <laughs> you got your I smoke just act like everyone's blinders lying. on like yeah <laughs> I just did, did someone hurt you did you get burned what happened <laughs> yeah they picked davion mitchell last year it came out of nowhere <laughs> like 40 year old uh, virgin Smoke it in Brendan's eyes. Uh, well, I will say this: you mentioned um, uh, Jabari, like Jabari Smith and Chet. I saw, someone sent me Jabari Smith. I guess was in Sacramento at the airport. I don't know if it was no, a layover, but I don't think that was real. No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it looked like it came from his. Uh, don't believe his... anything. I don't follow him. I just saw it. And <laughs> I, I mean, I don't. That doesn't mean he's meeting with the Kings when you're at the airport. It could have been a layover. It could have been a really could just be really shitty layover. By the way, why would you? I don't know why. Well, just say like the only one who put that out there who had the screen. The screenshot that was out there was uh, our friend Kings Insight, who mm. of course is uh, blocked on Twitter because he keeps making fake James Ham. Uh, Twitter accounts and tweeting <laughs> fake information out. Oh. So he's the guy who put it out there first. So shout out to King's Insight. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not unblocking you still um, oh. because you've made three accounts now. And every time People I have don't to forget. send my ID to Twitter and I have to go through all of these things while my good name is besmirched by you out in the interwebs. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, Say it with your chest, James. Say yeah, it with that's your chest. that's the one where it's like, okay, I, I don't know that I believe this one. Um, yeah, I saw hanging it. out in Sacramento. People let's, vacation let's, in Sacramento. Uh, I'll be honest. I was uh, what they call Don Limonada. I was three Don Limonadas deep when I saw that. And I was like, no, Jabari Smith's at the airport. Did you retweet <laughs> it? No, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Oh. I, just, I just took a glance. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it could be smokescreen. It could it could not be. Um, yeah, so when I think about this, like, if we follow the line of that the Vivek is going to be a voice in the room, 
and that he's going to, you know, meddle no matter what. Wouldn't you want him being with Monty McNair, learning McNair's process, and wouldn't you want him being as informed as possible about the potential draft pick? Because if he (laughs) is going to have a voice in the room, I don't want it being from him watching mixtapes of Jaden Ivey in high school. I actually would like to know that he actually saw the person real life and like, hey, look, there he is, met him, shook his hand, had a short conversation, whatever it might be at these pro days. Um, But does that... Does that make sense? Sounds to me like you're talking yourself into this being okay. And I've already just accepted it. Like, I think Kings fans at this point should stop being surprised when they see him and go, oh, my God, there he is. It should be, no, that makes (laughs) sense. That's where he is. He goes to Summer League. He goes to the draft. I mean, he goes to, dude, the guy goes to the draft lottery, bro. Like, why? I mean, I know this year it's at the Combine, but he would go when it wasn't. So, <clears throat> just what I would say is stop being surprised at the presence of Vivek Ranadive and just learn to either put up blinders like a blind like a blind spot for it or just come to accept it and hope that the people that I mean he's again he's part of it you're rooting for a team where he's legitimately part of your brain trust so yeah I mean if it's he's acceptance. <laughs> I guess it's weird that he's the only owner that was there but I think that it's completely normal for a guy that's that involved in an organization to be witnessing this. Like it doesn't bother me in any sort of way that he's present. I I think that I like more people are doing research and I would assume that there's still conversations that go on with Monty McNair about it. Um, Yeah. I mean, I have no issues with it. James, you're old enough to remember (laughs) the, the, the Maloof era and the era before that and Jim Thomas, who was famously never around. Mm-hmm. And uh, people used to credit the Maloofs initially for being around, and you know they were going to get better, and they were going to be the, you know big fans of the team. And then when they started to go through some of the hardships, even before like rumors of selling the team and you know tanking the Monarchs, uh, they they were famously uh, people would be you know fans would just be like, "Well, we're the Monarchs. Monarchs aren't present anymore. Excuse me, the Maloofs aren't present anymore. They're not doing this anymore. Where are they? Where are they? Where are they? You've ne- <laughs> I guess it's a be careful what you wish for for the people that just don't like uh, the meddling because be- I guess it's a be careful what you wish for because he's everywhere. He's always he's always courtside. He's He goes on the road frequently. Uh, he is everywhere with his team. Yeah, I guess in, uh, in Vivek's defense, he hasn't tried to sell the team to Seattle. Uh, to a Seattle business owner and move the team multiple times right. and he didn't run out of money yet no. uh, whether that could happen or not I, I don't know but he certainly hasn't run out of money yet he has put his money where his mouth is and if he was to sell the team uh, or if he was to have one of these crazy situations I kind of feel like he would at least be visible where the Maloofs just like up and took off like they left Paul Westfall holding the bag even Jeff Petrie didn't stand up and talk about relocation they just let the players and Paul handle the whole situation the first time second time was a different story Um, we did get uh, a George Maloof talking about how he's a developer and a a very very good one at that um, which he like he built that 800 million dollar tower that he owns nothing of Um, lost all his money there Um, so maybe he's good at developing a building, which I don't think I would trust him to actually put a shovel on the ground outside of a golden one uh, on opening day uh, of, of a build. Um, but I'm not quite sure how he was he was good at that. Um, but 
again, that's that's a whole. I, I would expect that that Vivek would at least have his say one time if he was to go out the door. Where the Maloofs, like that's not who they were. They they just absolutely well, from the situation. And even the point I was drawing. I mean, you you've documented all that very well. Um, what I'm saying is even before that, like you're talking oh six oh seven oh eight, like the final playoff run, and then the two years remaining before they even get into relocation stuff, and even before it even the you know the market tanks and the monarchs are gone. Like that's when stuff they were starting to get really hit upon by not attending games and not being present. And and just to draw the kind of comparison again, it's one thing you haven't been able to say about this guy. Okay, so then I'm going to ask the, the follow-up question, which is this. Um, Monty McNair, uh, Paul Johnson. Is it Paul Johnson? Yes. Okay, the, and then yeah. Phil Jabbar. Mm-hmm. They were there. Jabour. Jabour. Um, they were all there. Uh, and we had no uh, Anjali, and we had no Wes Wilcox. Should we be reading anything into the fact that Wes Wilcox was not at the uh, the three pro days? No. <laughs> I think. I mean, not personally. Sense. I mean, I don't. I mean, why? Why would? Why would you say? Yeah. Why would you say? Why would you think so? Well, I'm just wondering because Wes Wilcox is everywhere on this team over the last year. Well, do we know for sure that he wasn't there? I mean, I know I oh, didn't no, see him in any there. photos, but okay. Yeah, I, I was not doing intel over the weekend. Unless I did was... intel over the weekend. He was not there. Yeah, okay. Brandon, you say no? Not really. But he I mean... is the assistant to the regional manager. <laughs> <laughs> Very important role. Um, I don't know. Like, you can still – it doesn't. No. I'm not reading into much of anything right now. Okay. We're not reading into draft anything. Season, draft season, there's always, I don't know. There's we've too become, much for me to keep up with. We've become speculation podcast. This is kind uh, of well, I, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. Um, do you read in anything, James? No, I just think that? it's interesting. <laughs> the way Brendan even, do you read anything, James? <laughs> no, I'm just like, no, I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by the fact that he wasn't there. Um, I did not check in as to why he wasn't there, but that's because checking in seems to be like yelling down a well at this point um, with the with the franchise. I mean, realistically, wow. they they wouldn't tell us who was at the the two six people workouts on Monday and Tuesday, uh, let alone where they were going. So I, I'm I'm going to guess they're they're going to not answer that question as to why Wes Wilcox wasn't there. But I figure it's worth at least asking the question. Um, okay, so let's get in. Uh, Brendan, you you seem to be jaded. Very, you're like very protective here. I, I'm wish on. I think, I think you got hurt by somebody in the draft <laughs> process. Somebody done Brendan wrong. I'll do some self reflection and find the answer for you guys. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, I know uh, Sean was going through the like the nine stages of grief just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. The, we've got to acceptance level. Acceptance. Sean. <laughs> acceptance. Uh, but Brendan. Um, you don't seem to be bought in on Jaden Ivey moving into the top, into the top three. Uh, you think it's smokescreen? You like where are you at? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's smokescreen. I don't. I could see somebody believing in Ivy and seeing the star upside. I think the floor with the other three guys is a lot lower. They're a lot more sure things. I hesitate to say that a little bit with Chet, but said on here before I really believe in Chet so maybe I believe in the floor a little bit more than some people do that feel 
concerned with uh with his weight and i mean seven foot 195 like i i get where the concerns from come from i just think there's enough other skills that override it i think jabari is exactly what you want in the modern nba with his ability to space the floor and switch on so many different positions defensively and and just crazy length and truly elite shooting and then paulo to me like i don't see how i can't talk myself into ivy over paulo at all um, I, I think the size, Paulo's a better passer and a primary option, much better passer. I, I wasn't all too inspired with much of Ivy's passes, um, although he did play off ball a little bit, so maybe there's more there than he got to show at Purdue. Um, but I think Paulo's a better primary option. I like the space creation from Paulo more. I, I think that Paulo's an okay three-point shooter. So to me, I, I think there is star potential in Ivy. I just like those top three a lot better. Yeah, um we keep hearing these new comparisons, Sean, um, people comparing Ivy to Russell Westbrook. Um, just, and I thought like the one thing that I did take from, uh, took away from his, uh, his, the video that we got to see of his, um, of his pro day was that he's clearly worked on his core a ton. I mean, that dude is absolutely a ball of muscle. Um, but Sean, do you buy the comparisons? Do you, are you, do you think he can move into the top three? Oh sure, yeah, I do. Um, I again, I, I I don't think this is a. I don't think it's a slam dunk, and I think if if one through three happens the way we expect, sure, that's probably that's probably what will happen. But you know, I I do think that there's going to be people. If you took the collective pool of the NBA, and if there's someone that really likes Jaden Ivey, well, maybe you have to move up to get him. Maybe you have to get into that top three to get him, and then at that point, you know, you you. You, you just draft him and, and you take him in the top three. Regardless of how the three cities, one through three, those organizations feel, um, I wouldn't be shocked if at all if any of them have him in there. And I, I think that that ball of muscle, as you will, that, that Russell Westbrook, um, you know, we hear the John Morant, the Donovan Mitchell, those comparisons as well. I mean, there's so many of those type of comparisons with him because of the athleticism and just the speed that flies off the shelf. I mean, the guy just can run out of the gym lateral quickness is just incredible um i i can see it you know and, and and to bring russell westbrook into it a guy who's never really a good shooter you know the guy doesn't have the mid-range so but he has a real knack for getting to the basket Jaden ivy you know isn't i think he'd be lucky to be like russell westbrook in that regard but uh he he can attack the rim but i don't know if he's that savvy around it if that makes sense like he certainly has the aggressiveness but i think russ russ is very crafty i think he even came into the league very crafty below the rim um, and in the paint. So uh, certainly Jaden can attack. Uh, he can jump out of the gym and he can go for the hammer da- hammer the jam. But um, I, I see those comparisons. I think the speed is just phenomenal. I mean, I, that's one of the things that intrigues me most if you still have deer and fox or not. I mean, just having those two on the floor at the same time would be kind of fun. It'd be kind of a, 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 a little bit of a chaos it'll, potentially. But I think it could also be a lot of fun and uh, doesn't mean they have to play that way, though. I mean, clearly we've seen coaches come into Sacramento with De'Aaron Fox and kind of go pull the reins back a bit. Now, what would you, I guess both of you guys, when you when you think about the potential of Ivy, if you are, if somehow the Kings stay at number four, are you comfortable with him? Because I, I got to be honest, I, like I've fallen in love with the athleticism and I can see how, number one, he played a lot of off-ball uh, at Purdue, um, he also played with two gigantic bigs. 
one of which is an exceptional passer, um, like a Sabonis-style passer, maybe not as good at this point in his career, um, but certainly he's played with, with players like uh, Sabonis, and he knows how to cut. He's a guy who runs around like crazy off the ball and does a lot of athletic things off the ball. There are some concerns defensively, but you know every young player that comes into the league, let, let's be honest, outside of like Davion Mitchell, almost every other guy, you still have concerns defensively. Even Scotty Barnes, you think it translates, but you're not sure. Um, you know, so when you look at him, if he is the, if he's sitting there at number four, and the the three bigs are off the board, and the Kings haven't moved out, are you going to make that pick? I mean, I would if if they're not moving. Uh, he's kind of the guy I've had circled for myself, which is a little scary because I don't love players that aren't great shooters. Um, it's not that he's a bad shooter, and I think Brendan would agree with this. Right? Yeah, he's not a bad shooter, and it, and that did improve from the previous year. Um, but you know, the mid range thing is a little bit interesting. I know players aren't really that way, but it, even if playing with someone like Fox, who has that kind of down that little free throw line jumper, is is kind of his bread and butter right there. Um, I'm not concerned about it. Like he, he, I think he makes up for it in a lot of different ways. I think he is a, a a higher basketball IQ than people give him credit for. I think he, I think he's, I, I'd I'd like to, I think there's question marks regarding the jumper. I think there's a little bit of question. I don't know if it's necessarily a weakness, um, but I would say there's probably some question there if it, if it can be in the NBA. And then to that point, like how's his playmaking ability, which I think we've seen, in glimpses in college, I want to see how that translates to the NBA. Does he rely upon the speed to become a playmaker? Um, can he run a half-court set? Does he need the ball in his hands? Some of those things. But, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at Jaden Ivey, I'd have no problem with them taking him for, and it's probably the move that I'd make. As a as a secondary or even third ball handler, though, mm-hmm. I'm not so concerned. I'm not, like, is he going to be as good as Dante DiVincenzo as a creator for others? He might be close. So, like, I'm not sure that I'm worried about the playmaking because both of you guys brought it up. Um, but, like, is it that big of a deal? I mean, Fox is going to be the point guard. Sabonis is going to be the hub that you run the offense through. You want a guy who can, you know, hit the hit the the hole and then find the guys in the corner for sure. But I think Ivy can do that. I think he can do the basics. Can he do a, a drawn kick? I'm sure he can. Um, so... I don't know, Brennan, where are you at with him? If it is, if the Kings are on the clock and the three bigs are gone, is he your pick at four? He is. Um, to continue on the playmaking a little bit, I think that he's very Donovan or uh, Davion Mitchell-esque with the playmaking. Like, I think he makes That's what you're saying, like all the <laughs> basic reads. Yeah, he just doesn't do any sort of advanced reads or like try all too many creative passes. Um, and that was the improvement kind of from year one to two with him. It went from 1.9 assists to 3.1 his second year at Purdue. Um, for reference, Westbrook averaged 4.3 the year he came out of UCLA. Fox averaged 4.6. Um, so any concern or, like, reason to bring up the handle or the playmaking, I mean, to with Ivy in context of Sacramento, I think is just talking about what his ceiling is as a player. If Can he be a primary guy? and kind of projecting the level of prospect that he is. And I think that that's what would need to unlock for him to become like the star of the team or a team, which I think is in the cards, um, but certainly not what Sacramento needs him to do right away, which could be a little bit of a, um, 
a sweetener in there, give him a little bit of time to develop as a playmaker and have less pressure on him from the beginning of his NBA career. I think I'm with you that the athleticism is just too much to pass up on. I think that if there's improvements to be made with the shot, which went in at an okay rate, I mean, 35.8% last year on catch and shoots, he was 52.2 adjusted field goal percentage and was much better when he was wide wide open. I don't think anybody can just like ignore him from the three-point line. He's really confident too, happy to pull it from from deep. So I think the potential is there. And at four, it's, it's hard to overlook potential. And I don't think there's anybody else if it's the same top three that I see still on the board with that type of potential. What might make me nervous, especially as James was alluding to, if we if this you know if if Jaden goes into the top three, but let's pretend it doesn't. Let's just pretend it's one through three. Well, if it goes one through three, as I think most people are expecting, and you asked me a minute ago, James, if I could see it, I could see it, but I wouldn't bet on it, right? I think one through three is going to be the Jabari Smith, uh, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. However, you mix those guys around, it'll be one through three that way. All right, then it comes to Sacramento. Now the draft starts. That kind of scares me a bit because now it becomes the unpredictability and and the wild, wild west. And that's, again, to the point of where I've been saying for the past few weeks, like exploring the trade market is something you almost have to do. You have to absolutely do it, but you have to be prepared to take the pick. And so you're doing both. But um, if you're a Kings fan and you're sitting there and you go, boy, the draft starts when the Kings get on the clock. And now here comes it's the unpredictability of what might happen. <laughs> I, I I understand your uh, cause for concern. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the interesting thing is that we're comparing him to Donovan Mitchell, to Russell Westbrook, to name that elite playmaking, you know, offensive weapon guard. I mean, if he's even remotely close to any of those guys, then he has to be the the fourth pick in the draft. For right. that matter. He very well should be the second pick or the third pick in the draft. If that's who he's going to be, he's going to be that good. And we don't know that he'll be that good. But even that style of player, it sure is hard not to see where there is potential for him to move, move up. Um, we uh, we don't have Sean all day today. Sean's got to run because uh, we had to push the podcast back. Long story. I had to go on Fox 40 to go, to go help out uh, our friend Scott Moak. Um, and that was fun, but it pushes back a little bit, uh, Sean. So I, I want to skip to this question. Um, and then Brendan and I are going to carry on without Sean once, once he departs us. Um, <laughs> it, it brings us to the fact that if number four is where the draft starts, right? It's basically that moment where, uh, the, the visiting team wins a game in a playoff series. <laughs> That's the fourth pick in this year's draft. Um, if you're looking at that pick, and we're not talking about trading out. We're tra- talking about trading down. And then, I mean, if you're going to be this high in the draft, you really can't trade down substantially, in my opinion. So if we're looking at Detroit, Indiana, uh, Portland, New Orleans, those are the, the guys behind you. Even San Antonio, I think, is at 9. Washington is at 10. Is there a trade that you could come up with is there something that you would go okay i would move down from four to six or four to nine if this this and this were involved go ahead brendan is this for me no go ahead brendan we can start with brendan yeah yeah i don't know i mean if there is a sadiq bay or a jeremy grant on the table for the pistons sure i don't think it would be 
Um, even if Rashawn Holmes was returning back, I don't, I don't see them offering that to move up one spot. Even then, yeah, I, I mean, I would consider that. I just don't see it as all too realistic. Um, Malcolm, Brock, Malcolm Brogdon is a name that comes up with Indiana in six. Maybe there's something there. I think Brogdon's intriguing. Um, could you still get Keegan Murray, for example, at six? I don't know. There's a lot of times I think about it, like Kuzma in 10, but overall, like, it goes back to what I said last episode. Sacramento only gets so many chances at a star, and I think you stay at the top and take that swing. Yeah, I just don't know what it I don't know what it looks like. You know, I'm sure they can get creative, but of the teams that you're seeing there, I think, you know, there's there's things there's things to be had, I suppose. Um I just you kinda have to get creative. Like certainly with New Orleans, well it's like, okay. I love <laughs> Brandon Ingram, but I don't know if that's gonna be on the table, right? So you're gonna no. I yeah. don't think that's gonna be something that you're gonna go with. Um one of the ones I keep looking at is New York. Um, not that they should necessarily make this trade, but I think the Kemba Walker situation is a little bit interesting um, with two years remaining <clears throat> on his deal. That's right around eight, excuse me, around eight million, eight, $9 million. Um, I don't know what New York's going to look to do there. I don't know if he's kind of, I mean, he almost did like a John wall thing and they didn't really play him and it was kind of kind of weird last year. So um, I know they have a pretty bloated Evan Fournier contract that uh, you know, there's some, there's some possibilities there. Uh, I know there've been, you mentioned Br- uh, Malcolm Brogdon. That's a team that's been linked to Brogdon since like December. So, um, you know, I think there could be some interesting possibilities and another one that had popped up today. Um, of course, this is looking a little bit, you, you know, farther down the list. I mean, they don't even really have, I got to remind myself where they have Yeah, they're not even in the first round is Toronto. Um, so, and so like if Toronto wants to get into the, into the first round and they're already getting reports of OG Ananubi or certainly, you know, Siakam has been pretty well documented on this podcast and you know there i think there's some possibilities for sure i just don't know that it exists with those those cluster of teams that you've identified james in, in, in moving down just a little bit yeah because even if it's the knicks at number mm-hmm. 11 and you're going to go down to 11 i mean you're not going from 4 to 11 without rj barrett or right uh, or um julius randall on the table like if you're the kings that like it's a non-starter and i i don't think i'm taking randall off their hands. I, I don't think Randall will work with your current, like your current team. Now, RJ Barrett, I mean, at 21 years old, okay, I got my starting backcourt for the next decade. Um, and I'm looking at number 11, but will the Knicks do that? Would they consider that? And that would be tough too. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be intriguing. Like if the Kings are going to move, it's almost that they either have to move way down or out in order to make this thing work, and that's really difficult. Um, Sean, uh, you got a duck out here? I do, yes. Okay. You got so, it right on the dot, buddy. That was yeah. really impressive. Yeah, so hit, I guess— You hit the post is what they say in the DJ uh, business. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit you with this, so just before yeah. you walk off, um, what's your finals prediction? Oh, boy. Uh, looking forward to being down there for sure. Um, I hope Boston can give them a series. I really do. I just don't see them. I just don't see them doing anything. And I actually think it might be a little bit of a disappointing series. So if I had a gun to my head, which James just pulled on me over zoom, uh, I think I'm going to (laughs) take, I think I'm going to take golden state for one. Ooh, the Boston disrespect is crazy. Isn't that crazy? 
Well, Brennan and I will put it on our picks in a little while, but uh, Sean, thanks for joining us. We'll we'll catch you in a little while, man. Later, Sounds man. good, bud. Appreciate it. Okay, Brennan, I got to fix the overlay. Not that one. Not this one. Maybe this one. Maybe that I'm way. James Look at that. All right. So we're going to keep going on without Sean. Um, I, yeah, I guess we'll we'll just continue that, uh, Brennan. Then we'll jump back into the the trade options. Uh, what do you got for the for the finals? You know, I feel like too many people are just picking Golden State here. I feel like it's close enough, and I kind of feel like a coin toss between the two that I'm going to lean Boston in this one. And they've been really good on the road, beat Milwaukee, Miami on the road in some crucial games. Going Boston in seven. Boston in seven. Okay. Their I'm defense go. is really good. Sean said Warriors in five. Um, I'm going to – I think the Warriors can end this in five, but I think it's going to be Warriors in six. Uh, at the end of the day, I, I know Boston is up and coming. They just don't have the experience in the finals. And uh, it's just a different level of basketball. I think it's different than Eastern Conference Finals too because they've been to so many Eastern Conference Finals. I, I think it is. And, like, their group has changed slightly over the course of time where, like, look at this Warriors team that's going in. I mean, they've they've got so many guys who literally have been – this will yeah. be like their sixth final together. So even like Looney and, you know, yeah. Andre Iguodala is back and whether he plays or not, who knows, but Draymond, Steph, Clay, uh, you know, that team has just been, they're a well-oiled machine that, you know, all it takes is one of them getting hot and it's game over. And then just the way that Wiggins has played, uh, I think him against Tatum is going to be like must basketball. But if he can slow down your biggest weapon even a little bit, like what they did with Luca, and even still they were they allowed Luca to do a lot of things, just not hurt them as a passer. I think that's where Tatum is more defensible, where you can actually defend Tatum, um, where Luca becomes so difficult because he is such a smart passer that he still impacts a game when you do take away or make his life difficult on the offensive end. So I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be interesting, right? Yeah, I mean. I don't know why. Maybe this is like my inner Celtics fan from years prior that's like slightly showing sometimes here, but they just beat the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. The defending champ, Milwaukee Bucks, in the second round. They were down 3 2, went on the road and won a game and then won back at home. And then without they just Chris beat, Middleton, though. Without Chris Middleton. That's, yeah. that's true. Um, and then they just beat the number one seed in the East and. I agree. Andrew Wiggins has played phenomenal defense. Tatum was just being guarded by Jimmy Butler. So, okay, yeah, no, I mean Jimmy Butler's a, a great defender. Yeah, and Tatum has shown up. I mean, he's been great. He's been great in playoffs. Uh, let's get back to this. Okay, so, so basically, the question that we're asking is, can you move down? And I don't, Brendan, is there anything else that like you talked about? Malcolm Brogdon. Brogdon's under contract for two more years. He's twenty nine years old. Um, you know, he's a young 29, so I mean, he'll be 30 probably by the end of the season. Uh, but, uh, still that's, that's a bit of a risk on a player who has had some injury history, uh, but who's also one of those second round picks who makes, makes good. Um, you know, that's, that's intriguing. There's really nothing that Portland has it that truly intrigues me. Um, clearly they're not moving off a dame. Uh, so once you get past that, um, Simons doesn't really work with the Kings, Nasir Little and and Jason Hart 
like is an Josh interesting Hart. package. Uh, sorry, yeah, uh, Josh Hart. Uh, that's an interesting package, but I still don't think that's enough to move from seven to th- to four in this year's draft. And I, I think as we've gotten deeper and deeper into the draft coverage, it feels like there's separation between four and five and six. And you know, I think at, at one point we kind of like I had it as you know a top tier of of Jabari and Chet, and a second tier of Paolo by himself, and then third tier Jaden Ivey, maybe Shaden Sharp. Uh, as like that that third tier and then from there then it gets a little bit crazy with AJ Griffin and Matherin and and Keegan Murray and like sort of that lump of players but do you see that separation because I I certainly see the separation now where I think it's become like still a one two and then Bancaro and then Ivy by himself and that's your top four and I don't think we're going to see anyone else crack the top four yeah, I think it's the same. I, I think I have Paulo, Jabari, and Chet all in the same tier. Um, Paulo's playmaking is really intriguing to me. I think the space creation's there. Like, I'm also just this morning rewatched his game against Gonzaga early in the year, where he's just on fire from three and had like 18 points and a half. So maybe I need to cool down off that game a little bit still. Um, but I, I think Paulo is in that top three, and then I have Ivy in a tier by himself because, and maybe Sharp. Um, I don't know haven't heard great things about sharp um and he's just such a risk so I, I think that maybe some teams could place him in the same tier as ivy but to me there's nobody else with star upside that's really sitting there at least a fair shot of star upside like maybe dyson daniels or aj griffin hit their 95th percentile outcome and become a star but like so it, it's in the cards for other players but it just feels so much more feasible for a player like Jaden Ivey um, that I'd have him in that tier as well and then there's a fall off after that where you do get to Dyson Daniels, AJ Griffin, Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin type guys. It's funny um, I like Matherin better than I like I might have even moved him above Sharp at this point so I might like after four I might go something like Matherin, Sharp, Griffin Um, like I'm not even considering uh, is it Daniels? Dyson Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not even re- really considering him uh, at this point. I mean, he looks like maybe a nine ten uh, that that would work, but you know, we keep skipping over Keegan as well. Um, and, and that group, I mean, I like Keegan because he's definitely a position of need, but the Kings also need a long-term answer at the starting shooting guard position or the small forward position. And that's where I think, you know, again, like Griffin, Matherin, Sharp, all kind of, lump in as either big twos or two three combos and um, I mean they all have relatively the same size you know you're looking at basically six foot six guys with good wingspans you know tremendous athleticism and each of them have their sort of pluses and minuses Griffin being the better the best shooter of the the group um, Sharp being the biggest like sort of upside guy that like the mystery guy and then uh, Matherin being in my opinion, probably the best closer to a finished product than the other two, but also the best three level scorer of the group guy who can do just about anything and who can put a team on his back. I don't think any of them at this point are like what you would consider lockdown defenders, but they're all young as well. Yeah. I think they all have a lot of room to grow on the defensive end. Uh, Daniel's probably being the furthest ahead, but he has question marks when it comes to how he's shooting. And we all know the Kings cannot deal with players with 
question marks when it comes to their three-point shooting. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, if the Kings were sitting at five, I would be, I'm pretty sure I'd be preaching Keegan Murray pretty adamantly. Assume because I would assume that Ivy's the fourth. I do think that upside is really there. Um, but after that, the the hesitation with Murray and the reason I don't have him touching Ivy's tier is the difference in upside. It's not just that Jaden Ivy has the athleticism to work with, and that's like the molding ball of clay that you get to start with. And if he can pick up all the things that are missing in his game, which a lot of them are typically viewed as like teachable, like reading the floor, um, making better m- uh, moves and decisions on the defensive end, then there's a star there for Keegan Murray. This is a guy that was maybe the best player in college basketball this year, 23 points per game, right? 55 from the field, 39% from three. Um, So about 15 shots a game, but he does it all within the flow of the offense. So like I said, 15.8 shots a game, and he only gets 60 total possessions on the year of isolation. Um, There's only 36 possessions of him as the roll man, 18% as him as the ball handler in the pick and roll. It's just all within the flow of an offense. And this is where like, I think Keegan Murray is slotted to be a damn good role player in the NBA. I just don't see an upside higher than that for him. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think people think that I don't like Keegan Murray. Um, that's just not the case. Uh, you know, I'll say this, like his draft age is almost 22. He'll be 22 before the season starts. And so that's going to be something that you consider in this. He is a sophomore like Matherin, like, uh, you know, Jaden Ivey. Um, but a much older sophomore. So the the potential, you know, goes down with each year that you put in time in the college game. The fact that he improves so much from one year to the next, to me, is a little bit of a concern. Um, you know, the fact that, um, like, I, I see the stats. I see the stats go even up on the board while I'm watching him play. I still don't think that it's, like, super, super impactful. Like and and I, I again, people think I don't like him. I do like him. I just don't like him at number five. I mean, I think that in a typical draft, he's usually between ten and, and eighteen. That's where you would typically take a player that's like this. Again, if he if he works out and he's as good as I bring it up every every single pod, if he becomes as good as Sadiq Bay then I think, you know, then that's a good pick. But you have to remember the Sadiq Bay was, what, the 16th pick in the draft. Yeah. So yeah, he's it, like a Harrison Barnes, Jeremy Grant. Well, but Harrison Barnes even had the step above because Harrison Barnes right. coming into the league had this elite athleticism. What did he go, like, number seven? Um, but, yeah, like, if if the peak is Harrison Barnes or Jeremy Grant, then that's not bad. I mean, that to me, that's, like, borderline plus starter. Uh, it's not, like he's not an all-star um you know there isn't a way to but i don't even see like the rudy gay in his prime potential like i see some of it but i don't he doesn't have the athleticism that rudy gay had coming into the league um you know he doesn't have the the sheer length uh i don't think he has a seven foot three wingspan at six foot eight um you know is he a better three-point shooter than rudy coming into the league yeah uh but at the same time, you know, his three-point shooting was all over the board. He had, like, a, a couple of games in the, early in the tournament that really bolstered his shooting percentages. He was down around 38%, and then, boom, he hit, it like, a 6 of 8, and it pushed him up, up higher. Where Jaden Ivey, 
was much higher and then struggled at the end of the year and the last couple of games and his three point percentage dropped considerably down to 35.8. So like, again, I don't think that there's, he's not a special shooter from three. He's a quality shooter. He can be, if he could reach the Harrison Barnes status, then that would be amazing as far as a three point shooter. But that's, that's tough to do. Like Harrison Barnes is a very good three point shooter at this point in his career. So I don't know. Like you, you would take him at five. I would really struggle with that because I just think the ceiling of some of the other players that are still on the board right there are higher. And I might be wrong at the end of the day, but again, I I look at him as like a very specific type of player. Like he could he be Tobias Harris? Maybe Tobias Harris was the 19th pick in the draft. Can he be um, you know, Trevor? Covington. Robert Covington, uh, Trevor Reza. Can he be? And Trevor Reza was like the, well, I don't know, I can't remember, 14th pick in the draft or something. Like, that's the the type of player that he is. He's a guy who puts up gaudy offensive numbers uh, in his college career, uh, but they usually don't just like drop right in and be gaudy as, as a pro. Uh, and then all of the other numbers, you know, they look great, but I don't see him blocking 1.9 shots per game at the pro level. I just don't see it. I don't even think he can rebound at the same level at the at the pro level. So, you know, I would expect him to be more like six rebounds a game, maybe 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9 blocks per game at the pro level. Yeah, and that's I where think that I, makes sense. Yeah, that's where I start to like, okay, what are we looking at here? You know, we got right. one guy that we're comparing to, you know, <laughs> Russell Westbrook and Donovan Mitchell. Like, that's where it's like, okay, wait, we you got to take that guy at four. Like if that's who if that's who he could be, then you have to take Jay Nivey at four. Yeah, and that's absolutely where I'm at. Um, they'll have to do their due diligence on Sharp and see where he's at as well because his athleticism is reportedly ridiculous, and you can see it in the one-on-o workouts, the just really thrilling video footage of Shaden Sharp that we have out there to study. Um, so the front office will have to do their due diligence and maybe they'll view sharp as somebody that has that sort of ceiling too. But to me, it's, it's IV by himself right there in that tier. Yeah. It's interesting because sharp still hasn't done like a bunch of stuff. Like we haven't, I mean, he did have a pro day, right? So the Kings talked to Shaden sharp at the combine and then he had a pro day outside of, well, he, first of all, he left the, um, the combine early. And that was, of course, written off to he had a scheduling conflict and was already pre-planned. Meh, whatever. I don't buy that. Um, but then when we really look at, like, he, he did have a pro day. Kings attended that as well. Um, so there is some information on him, but it sort of seemed like he's a guy who's kind of getting forgotten about at this point. And I could actually see Sharp dropping to, like, number 9, number 10, or someone there goes, okay, like, look, the potential is too high. We have to draft him here. And some of these other guys move up. And then I'll also tell you this, like, there are guys that are getting moved up way up to higher than they should be. Um, and that's just the game. That's just the game that we're dealing with here with mock drafts and all that stuff. I don't buy a lot of the, the high-end movement on some of these guys where, you know, we're literally looking at a guy who's like the 18th highest prospect and, and all of a sudden – like someone thinks they remind him of Josh Giddy, so they're moving him up to number eight or number six. I'm confused. Like, there's enough footage, there's enough background information. 
to know, you know, who some of these guys are. And all of a sudden they're getting moved up awfully high, awfully quick. And so, so you know, don't believe anything this time of year. Or? Yeah, no, I mean, I think some of it, right. So like it was, was it uh, three weeks ago? We saw Johnny Johnny uh, Davis take a meteoric rise up to like number six on draft boards. And now he's back down to like number 11 or 12. Yeah. And then, you know, again, all of a sudden we're seeing Dyson Daniels go whoosh, shoot right up into the top. And last time I checked, uh, Dyson Daniels, like, did not show good athleticism at all at, at the combine. Like, his max vert, I think, was 30 inches. Like, that's that's not, you know, that's, like, it's slightly above where Brad Miller was, but not by <laughs> much. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of intriguing. Um where are you at with who is there anyone in that top 10 of yours that you're looking at? Like, I don't know why he's here. Um, let's see. Not too much really. Like I, I think that Jalen Duran um, is going to be interesting to me. He feels like he should be a lottery talent in weird ways. I could almost see him falling a little bit further um I, I think he makes a lot of sense for san antonio for example but i think they also need shooting and wings so it would be easier to look in that direction um does washington feel like they need a big maybe okc or charlotte tries him out he's just somebody that's going to be interesting to me and feels like has a pretty wide range where is he going to be mid late lottery or is he going to fall slightly out of it um tari eason is somebody that i really like as potential of jumping into that lottery i think the versatility he has on the defensive end and some of the flashes he showed on offense at his size and length is intriguing. Um, but no, I, I mean, I feel like I feel pretty good about a top, like say nine or 10 sort of prospects. Okay. I, I just looked Dyson Daniels, 34 inch vert, uh, 29 inch uh, standing vert, 34 inch max vert. Still not, I, I mean, that's not typically what you're seeing out of like a six foot eight small forward, uh, or or shooting guard, um, even you know he does have some point guard skills. Uh, but I think questionable shooting, yeah, questionable shooting. Like I think we've uh, we the NBA is a copycat league, and you see guys that you know oh well maybe he's the next Josh Giddy. It's like okay look he's Australian, that's that's about <laughs> it. You know it's like uh, what is it? Oh you probably wouldn't even get that reference. Uh, Australian for beer. Um, they I can't remember what the big giant australian beer is sean would know yeah no he would uh anyway uh it'll come to me it'll come to me uh like while we're we're going through this but it's again, like everybody that says they the Kings should never select another forward from duke yeah foster's yeah. australian for beer there it is popped there in my go. head um yeah I, I mean there's some validity to that uh, there are a lot of duke players that don't work out like there are. And so I'm not saying like, don't draft a Duke player ever, but I'm certainly saying that you got, you have to be leery. You have to do your due diligence. You have to make sure that, that you think that their mentality is right. And we, we had that weird thing today where Paolo Bancaro said he doesn't want to go to Oklahoma at number two, because he's a Seattle Supersonics fan and he, he hates the, the thunder. And I'm like, Oh, okay. That's intriguing. Uh, like there is a bunch of weird stuff. I'm sure Paolo will come out and say, 
I was joking. It's no big deal. Yeah. If uh, if OKC drafts me, I'll go live in in the desert where you know snow cones are popular and like He's you're worried about tornadoes or <laughs> or like the frigid cold. It snows all the time for some reason. I'm not even sure why. Um, you and know, if he goes to Houston, he's gonna have to play OKC a lot. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, and, and like, look, I, I think there is a way for Jaden Ivy to go to in the top two, in top three. Easy. Like he is exciting. It is a guard league. Would he fit with uh, Jalen Green? Mm, I don't know about that. All the top three has guards. Orlando has. Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz, um, R.J. Hampton, and I feel like there's one I'm forgetting, uh, Jalen Suggs. Oh, they got a lot. Yeah, OKC has – OKC maybe. Um, they have Shy. They have Giddy who at, likes the ball in his hands. Um, but more of a small forward. Yeah, and Shy could play the two. So I, I could see it. There's Trey Mann who's probably not somebody that is affecting your draft decision at two. Mm. Nope. Um, and then number three – it depends how they feel about um, Kevin Porter Jr. In my mind, like they made oh, him they're the not point guard. A decision based on Kevin Porter, I guarantee it. That would make sense. They yeah. kind of moved him into that point guard role last season. Um, I mean, Jalen Green, Jaden Ivey is as athletic of a backcourt as De'Aaron Fox and Jaden Ivey. Yeah. So, no, I, I mean that would be intriguing, right? So, yeah. so I, I definitely do see it. I, I think that there's totally a possibility, and those teams like. I, I told you uh, last week, I've heard that, that OKC isn't enamored with Chet Holmgren at number two and that they do like Jaden Jaden Ivey a lot. And that's why there was potential for a Kings, uh, a Kings Thunder swap from four to two. If the Kings thought there was enough value in going up to get Holmgren, if they thought he would be the guy or Jabari if he fell to number two, which I, I still, again, everything I've heard out of the combine was that Jabari is going number one. Um, and that Holmgren should go number two, but there's some, uh, some question mark when it comes to whether or not OKC is in love with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still I'm in think love with him, James, uh, you are in love with Chet Holmgren. He's intriguing, in the, isn't I'm he? I'm in the middle I, of my profile right now too. So I'm deep in, in Chet Holmgren territory <laughs> right now with my film work. A very good way to, to tiptoe through that statement. Uh, <laughs> Um, what is it about Chet that would make you move up? It's that he's, I don't want to be overdramatic here. I, I feel like he's perfect for what the Kings need alongside Sabonis. They need somebody who can block shots from the four position and also Check. space the floor. Space the floor, and handle the ball. He steps off length. the court. He steps off the, when Sabonis steps off the court, if you had another big man you can throw the ball into, and start running the offense through him as well. Man, he's intriguing. playing the same style. Rashawn Holmes came in so many times this year and tried to be DeMontis Sabonis. Chet Holmgren can glad uh, please try to be DeMontis Sabonis. Let's see how this works. Uh, there's upside with Chet too. Like some of the ways that he, when he gets aboard and he's taking it down the court himself, like the handling flashes are intriguing. And it's difficult to gauge because it's not a, something that you're like, wow, that looked like a crazy tight handle. You have to keep in mind, this is a seven-footer. And some of the confidence that he has in his pull-up jumpers, um, I don't know, the length is ridiculous. And I understand the 
concerns with his him handling physicality at the next level. I mean, being 15 pounds lighter than Evan Mobley is certainly saying something. Um, but Chet Holmgren has been glad to play physically all season long. A lot of times when he gets bumped out of the way, his hands are still so long that he's still contesting the shot. Um, and Sabonis can be the one to deal with opposing post-ups. It's really easy to see it with Chet, too, when you watch the Gonzaga games because he was playing alongside Drew Timmy so much. Yeah, 7-6 uh, wingspan. That's what they're listing. That's the rumored wingspan of Chet Holmgren. And he's functional with his wingspan. Like, like there's – I don't want people to get this wrong and say that I'm comparing Chet Holmgren to Nemanja Bialica. Um, but there's uh, Bielitsa has an ability to absorb contact in the post with his hands straight up in the air, take the the opponent's like leverage out of their leap, stay with them and block a shot. And that's what I see from Holmgren all the time. He's able to, tr- but he can do it in speed. He can do it in space and while tracking a player, he stays in front of his man, takes a contact, absorbs it, but stays straight up. And then he his arms go on forever, and you can't get away from him. And so I think he's he's about as intriguing. Again, we have no idea how it's all going to translate to the next level. But when we talk about, like, a 195-pound guy, um, like, this isn't, like, 1987, right? Uh, this right. isn't, you know. Uh, he's playing this, the four in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah. So – um yeah he he is going to play the floor he is going to be able to take on a lot more um you know of of like the the new perimeter four, the stretch four in sac you know that's in the nba that's you know you got to stay with them you got to be athletic enough to stay with them but you know guys like davis bertons you're gonna have to stay with him you're gonna have to track him all over the court um so anyway i'm intrigued by him i'm intrigued by him um we didn't get to one of our other topics, uh, and the business of basketball was our, our picks. Uh, so Brendan says Celtics in six. Seven. Uh, seven. seven. Uh, James says Warriors in six. Sean says Warriors in five. Um, I think those are all intriguing. Uh, I, I'm kind of in—I I, want to see how this plays out because it is like the old guard versus the new guard. Um, but, uh, we're going to cut this podcast short, uh, this week we've, uh, well today we've got another podcast on Thursday and we've got way too much stuff happening all around us, uh, where all of us have responsibilities nonstop. Uh, Brennan, do you have any final thoughts on the finals? Uh, Clay Thompson's my X factor here. I need to, this is a really good test to see how up to speed he is after his extreme break. Um, that he got dealing with those injuries because if he's the one checking Jalen Brown, that's somebody that'll test uh, how well you're moving. I agree. I think we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see Wiggins play more on Jalen Brown and uh, Clay more on uh, on Tatum. I think that that's just a better matchup. Tatum is a more methodical uh, offensive player. It doesn't. He does have flashes of like extreme athleticism, but not like Jalen Brown. So I would I would expect that to be a, a bit of a, a change up. I think it's gonna be intriguing. Um, do you have any Defense final thoughts? Player of the year against Steph Curry. It's a fun yeah. one. If he can Is, stay on him. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued. So that's your that's your final thought. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just that I, I'm really excited for the finals. I think it's going to be close. Um, it's the two teams that I grew up rooting for. So that makes it interesting from my point of view. There it is. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the King's Beat podcast. If you're watching right now, make sure to give us a thumbs up and make sure to subscribe. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday. We'll have a bunch more content to go through. Uh, it won't be as uh, mixed up, jumbled up all over the place just because we've had, uh, you know, Sean had to duck out and all that stuff. But uh, it should be a lot of intrigue heading towards the June 23rd NBA draft. So for Brennan Nunez and, uh, of course, Sean Cunningham, I am James Ham, your Kings Insider. Uh, for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat, we will see you on Thursday. Have a good afternoon. the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done